to Totalus Rankium. This week, Matthew. Welcome to Roman Emperor's Totalus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob. Ranking all of the emperors from Constantine, no, from Augustus to Constantine 11. And this is episode 165. It's yeah. Matthew, Jamie. It is. Good old Matthew. Matty K, as they called him. Nice. I like a good nickname. I wasn't sure whether to do Matthew, but here we are. We're doing him. And you were asking just before we started recording, when are we doing John 5? Because we've done yeah. John 6. Uh, well... Again, it all depends what order you want to go in, but I'm putting in Matthew here. <laughs> okay. For reasons, again, I hope will come clear. Because we've covered John 6, and that's Matthew's father, and how John helped win the civil war against Andronicus II with his friend Andronicus III. Then we went on to how he won the civil war against Anna of Sausage and the Patriarch, uh, only to lose again against the aforementioned John V. Yes. Yeah, so that's what we did last time. This time, we are going to cover the life of his son, Matty e. Kay. Hey. Yeah. Editing Rob here, just jumping in at this moment uh, to talk over this amazing theme tune, just to say check this out. Hello, comrades, and welcome to the podcast you are currently listening to. I promise, this isn't a Russian invasion, just a temporary occupation. I'm Roberto, one of the hosts of the podcast, Czar Power. And I'm Brendan, the other half of the podcast. Together, we're ranking the Russian rulers from Rurik to Putin. They will compete based on how well they fought, how successful they were in life, how much compromat or blackmail they had on them, how handsome they were, and how long they ruled for. After being scored, we decide whether they get to party it out in the Kremlin or get sent straight to the gulag. Those who make it to the Kremlin will need to duke it out for the position of best Russian ruler. You can find us on any podcast host as Czar Power, on Twitter at Czar Power Pod, and on Facebook as Czar Power. That's Czar spelled T-S-A-R. Now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. And if you hear a knock on your door, beware. The KGB is coming to make your stay a bit more permanent. Oh, that's right. You thought you didn't know where to go when we finished the Romans, but here it is. Zars. That's right, Zars. They're almost Roman. They're the third Rome. Check them out. It's, it's going on right now. Anyway, um, back to the normal episode. Forgive me for the abrupt cut. Uh, I may have forgotten to mention to Jamie that this was going to be here, so I'm just being editing, Rob. Telling you personally. I could pretend Jamie's here with a sock puppet. You can't see the sock. But he's here, right next to me, aren't you, Jamie? Yes, I am. Anyway, back to normal, regular Totalis Rankium. It's a good episode. Yes, it is, Jamie. Let's do this. To begin with, though, let's address the uh, small elephant in the room. Micro-elephant. But it squeaks. Probably does. <laughs> Can be careful not to stand on it. Matthew's not on the lists of many lists of emperors. For example, he doesn't get his own entry in the list of Roman emperors on the Wikipedia page. <gasps> but yeah. that's your primary source. Well, it is a list that we f have mostly followed. There's only been a couple of exceptions, but I feel like this perhaps is one of them. I can see why it's debatable and why you could argue we should have left him off. But without wanting to spoil too much... I'm just going to point out now that Matthew is crowned emperor by a patriarch of Constantinople. Spoiler warning. Yeah, so I okay. mean, he is made emperor. 
Well, there we go then. Well, he's junior emperor, and when this has happened in the past, we've ignored it unless they've gone on to become senior emperor. Because in this yeah. period of history, junior emperor essentially means what Caesar used to mean. It's the heir. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, exactly. So Those mm, days. <laughs> junior emperor, mm. is that enough? So where it gets contentious is whether he continued as a Roman emperor after his father abdicated. Do you remember his father, John VI, gives up and becomes a monk? Yeah. So what happens to Matthew? Now, we're going to go through the story and we'll find out, but I would just say I would argue he still thinks he's the Roman emperor. So <laughs> so I think, he, I, I think he counts. I think so. Yeah. Okay. And from a more narrative point of view, this just means we get to cover more of what John V did before we actually reached John V, and he had a long rule, so... Uh, it'll yeah, just, yeah, he did. It'll just make, make some things easier in the next episode. Okay. Mm, you're not going to ask me to draw a map, are you, this time? I'm hoping you've still got the old map. Calling it a map is a bit the, of a stretch. The, the vague triangle of geographical... Do you see how much in, how many insults I got on Twitter for that? It's like, is, is that my choice? Uh, you did. To draw it. Good, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, some people called it a pizza slice. Some yeah, people said... Yeah, I think without listening to the episode, I think people did mock you for your map. But I think once, they've, fine. once That's they've heard fine. the episode, I think all that mocking went straight to me instead. But uh, I maintain that it still works and we will be using it this episode. So I'm hoping it's there. And if everyone listening at home drew it, get your map out. If not, it's now posted on Twitter and Facebook. So go and look it up and you can use the map to play along. Right. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, I am. Matthew was born in 1325. To give you some context here, this is right in the middle of the war between Andronicus II and his grandson Andronicus III. So, not that long ago? No, we're not talking that long ago. Matthew is a young man when he grows up to be a young man, and he was an old man when he was an old man, and right now he's a baby. It's a... Uh, <laughs> but yes... Very not, linear. Very linear. Very linear. But yes, not that long ago in the uh, timeline, in the narrative of the Empire that we've got to, yes... Uh, so, when Matthew was just a few years old, Andronicus III, which is his father's best friend, becomes the sole emperor. Yay! And his father, John Cant Cazinos, becomes the leader of the armies of the empire. Yes, he does. Johnny K. Yes. <laughs> Johnny K, as they definitely called him. And we mentioned that last time. <laughs> several Probably. times. Yes. Anyway, it's reasonable to assume that little Matthew saw little of his father as a child, because obviously John Kant was off running the armies. But Matthew would have grown up being seen as a child in an important family. The Kant Gazinos family by this point were seen as the most powerful family apart from the royal family. And uh, John himself was the right-hand man to the emperor possibly cool. the power behind the throne. So Aww. so Matthew's he's in a, a good position. If you're going to be born at this time, this is a good place to be born. I bet they had like an amazing house, like just a, like a, an art studio at the side, swimming pool. Oh, yeah. Underfloor yeah. heating. All, all the amazing. good things, yeah. Yeah. Big converted attic. With a pool table in the middle. Yes. Pinball machines. And LED lights, yeah. I mean, he's, he's still a small child at this point, but they grow into all that stuff. I yeah. love it. Do you think they have that? You know, they get those cars that kind of bounce up and down. Oh yeah, outside supermarkets. Attached to a horse. Yeah. Yes, he had one of those. Horse is one of oh, them. he would have loved one of those. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And it just goes to show that, it, like the rich, you could afford to buy one, and mm. have as many goes on the horse as you want. Whereas if you were poor, you had to put in your your little coin every single time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Much cheaper being rich. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, we, we don't know much, as you can possibly tell, about his childhood because we are in massive speculation territory. But what we do know is that when he was around seven years old, the Emperor's wife gave birth to a son and called him John V. So John V's now on the scene. We yeah. do not know how the children got on. I mean, there's an age difference of seven. I mean, at that age, that is massive. That's quite big. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, in some ways, you'd think they probably had very little to do with each other at this point. However, there were lots of other children around. Matthew was the eldest brother of six children in total. He yeah. had two younger brothers and three younger sisters. In fact, the so youngest well. sister, Helena, was roughly the same age as John V. And just to be clear in everyone's heads, here, Helena goes on to marry John V. So, you get the impression that you've got Matthew, two younger brothers, three younger sisters, there's a whole bunch of children, and the youngest ones are the same age, and he's the oldest. So maybe you've got like a Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe kind of situation where you've you've got all the siblings and they're different ages, but they all get on, or at least they they go on adventures together or something. Who knows? We don't. Look at my pet lion! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, all speculation. Oh, but just so you know, um, the brothers' names because they come into the story. His uh, immediate younger brother is called Manuel. Oh, yeah. And his youngest yeah. brother is called Andronicus. Good strong family name there. And yeah. Matthew. Yes, yeah, so Matthew being the uh, eldest. Mateos, or something like that, was how it would have originally been said. <laughs> Matthew. It's obviously been anglicised. Uh, yeah. Anyway, when he is 16 years old, his father's connections are able to secure him a marriage. Well oh, done, son, that. said John. You're going to be wed. In 1341, he marries Irene Paleologa. This is a cousin mm. of the Emperor Andronicus III, who's still alive at this point, and the granddaughter mm. of the deceased Andronicus II. So this ties him into the Paleologos family. He's cool. The Cantacazinos and Paleologos families tied together with marriage. No one's going to do any fighting whatsoever anymore, are no. they? Everything's fine. Do you think they got tattoos, like part of the family now, that kind of thing? Yes, probably. Big... Well, they all got a number, all the ha- like Lord of the Rings casts. So they all, yes. they're all like, this is us, we're together. Big KP. Yes. They're two names. But then everyone just thought that they worked for the Nut Factory people. <laughs> yeah. Get your peanuts. Anyway, uh, then... Andronicus three dies. That's a shame. That is. And the events of the last episode start up in earnest. Things escalate very quickly, as we saw. Anna of Sausage, the Patriarch, and Apocaucos join forces and decide to declare John Cantacuzinos an enemy of the state. And after some fighting, John is forced to flee to Serbia. As you can see, no I'm speeding through this a lot compared to last yeah. week here. What I didn't say last time is that Matthew... Again, he's about 16, and his brother, Manuel, go with their father to Serbia. The rest of the family, so the mother, the other brother, and the, the daughters, stay in Diddy Town, and they are surrounded by the Loyalist troops. I forgot about Diddy Town. That's a great name. Well done. Okay, yeah, uh, don't worry. Diddy Town's in it for a bit this episode. Now, yes. being 16, Matthew wouldn't have been doing much beyond observing at this point, but as the eldest son of the man the troops had just declared emperor... He would have been seen as important. Yeah. And he would perhaps have been hoping for good things in his future. Things like crowns and purple clothing. Ooh, I like crowns. Yes. Now, as covered, 
John attempted to get back to Diddy Town a couple of times, get back to his family, but he failed due to desertions from the Serbs and Abkaukos fighting back. There was mass desertions. If you remember, he was reduced to 500 men at one point. Things looked really bad for, yeah, for John. Uh, Matthew sticks with his father throughout all of this, though. Fighting continues, and a couple of years pass. And then Umar turns up. Remember Umar? Hi, Umar. Yeah. yeah. Good old Umar. He turns up. He helps Matthew's mother out. Matthew's mother, Irene, remember, is in Diddy Town, and she is besieged by the Bulgarians, who pop down just to see if they could loot anything. Umar turned up and cleared all the Bulgars off. Hooray. So... John Cantacuzinos decides to push the Diddy Town one more time. If you remember, this is about the time where towns and cities in the area were starting to put their revolts down and slowly were swinging towards John Cantacuzinos. So the the tide of the war is turning. Uh, But here we get a bit of detail I didn't mention last time. As they were approaching Thessalonica, which they were hoping to get back, although they don't in the end. But while they're approaching Thessalonica, they stop outside a town called Baroa. Now, I'm no way pronouncing that correctly, but it is spelled B-E-R-R-O-I-A, for those who want to know. Bor- Borea? 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 Yeah. Beria? Don't Beria. Not <laughs> dead, yeah. <laughs> That's what people would say in the town. It's a little joke. Yeah. You go yeah. in the local pub in there. And then and everyone's just saying the same joke every single yeah, day. Yeah, it's great. Uh, anyway, do you want to get your um, your triangle of vague geographical knowledge out? Yes, I have it here. You want to put this on the map. It is only 50 kilometres to the left of Thessalonica. So just go a little bit left to Thessalonica and put barrier in there. Okay, so they take the town. Hooray, new town on the Cantacuzinos t- side. John is happy about this but it's time to move on. Obviously, he wants to keep the town secure, so he leaves the city to his son. He makes a garrison there, and he puts his son in charge. That's good. Good experience. Small, not too dangerous. So who's in charge of Beria? Matthew? Nope. Remember, John has two sons following him at the moment. Oh, Andronicus and the other one. Oh, you remembered the wrong son. Um, Damn it! Matthew is the oldest son... And younger by one year is Manuel. Nice. John, choosing between his two sons, by the way, this time Matthew's 18 and Manuel's 17, uh, decides to put his younger son in charge of the city and then moves on. We do not have Matthew's reaction to this. I think he'd be slightly miffed, but, but I'm, I'm old, I'm strong, I'm, yo- I'm young as well as old. I have, I have good experience. I watched you like, for at least 10 minutes. <laughs> I was definitely paying attention to at least yes. some of what you said. I was in the nearby room. I could yes. hear vaguely things through the tent. I did. And yes, uh-huh. Manuel has really cool accent for some reason, and he smokes small black cigarettes. But, but surely I should. I'm, I'm the oldest son. Surely I should be in charge. I'm guessing that was the reaction. Uh, but why? Why did John do this? Is it because he saw something in his younger son, Manuel, that was just undeniably cool? Or maybe... (laughs) It's a little moustache. Yeah. Or or maybe he was just trying to keep the elder son safe or out of the limelight. Well, if he's the heir, that might not be a bad idea. Well, the thing is, he's not the heir. Oh, okay. Because John, remember at this time, John is the regent 
for John 5. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. John Cantacuzinos at this point is saying, no, 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 I'm I'm just ruling in John 5's stead. So obviously my son won't be heir. So maybe this is John Cantacuzinos really distancing Matthew from from everything. Uh, anyway, I, I can only assume Matthew's not happy when John manages to reunite with his wife and family at Diddy Town. Hooray! Matthew obviously would have seen his family once more. I assume his wife was in Diddy Town, but I could not confirm this. But his wife wouldn't have been with him in Serbia, so probably no. would have been in Diddy Town. But uh, who knows? Let's say this is where they reunite, though. That's nice, yeah. isn't Aww. it? Slow motion, someone throwing a rose. Off the train kind of thing. Yeah, like running exactly. his arms. I mean, there were no... Where the bloody hell have you been? Sorry, my there, dear. There were no trains back then, so it was just a row of horses tied together. Yeah, with wheels. Yes. On a track. Yeah, that was good. Anyway, the rest of the war plays out. We get very little from Matthew in the rest of the war. He kind of goes into the background. Uh, his brother, Manuel's mentioned a few times. Matthew, much less so. Again, what's this about? Is this John purposely pushing his son aside uh, because he thinks he's useless or because he's protecting him? Who knows? Skirmishes take place, the tide of the war goes to and fro, but mainly in Cantacuzinos's favour. And then Duchan invades. Duchan. And John, Cantacuzinos, goes to sort him out. But on the way, they learn that Apokaukos has been assassinated in the prison... A block oh, yeah. of wood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So distracted by this, John misses his chance to take on Dushan. But after a while, he is able to breach the capital and have words with Anna of Sausage. So when you say he was distracted by the news, does that mean he's like given a really long letter and he started looking down, reading the letter and just walked in the wrong direction? Is that kind of what you mean by that? Walked into a tree. Oh, wow. And then yeah. when he woke up, Dushan had already gone. Uh, no, <laughs> if you remember last episode, he was uh, literally on on the way to fight Dushan with the troops when he hears about Abakaukos, and then yeah. his advisors advise him to turn around, Fair. as does Uma. Uh, it's like, let's go and take the capital. But when they get back to the capital, they realise the defences are still there, so then they turn around again to go and fight Dushan. But that's when Uma's accused of assassinating someone, so he has to go yeah. home and the whole thing falls apart. Brilliant. Well, yeah. nice. Anyway, soon after that, as I say, he manages to get into Constantinople and have words with Anna of Sausage. The boy can remain emperor, said John Cantacuzinos. I will be senior emperor for ten years, and then we will both be co-emperors. Okay? So there you go. Sort it. Yeah, no problems. Yeah. Now imagine you're Matthew. But... You're 22 years old. Come on, I've got a new wife. I, I, well, old now. I, you wouldn't let me fight, and I can't even be emperor. Well, what more do I have to do, Daddy? Why won't you love me? Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, at least cool. we get that impression. I mean, he's the son of Bassini Emperor. Everyone knows what that means, but no, apparently mm. not. A few things happen that Matthew isn't too pleased about. His younger sister, Helena, was engaged to John V. So she was now going to be the Empress, or at least one of the Empresses. You kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's now going to be the brother-in-law to the junior emperor and the son to the senior emperor, the eldest son. So what exactly am I getting? What's my purpose in life? Don't worry, he was told. There's some celebrations coming up. After all, your father's about to be crowned. Your sister's about to be married. Titles will be given out. Just don't worry. Oh, and obviously uh, your brother Manuel's coming from uh, Beria. So... That's nice. Family reunion. That's great. Brilliant. 
Yeah, his father announced once Manuel arrived, uh, Manuel, my son, my only son. (laughs) 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 To you, the only male fruit of my loins, I give you the title (laughs) of despot. Yeah, uh, Manuel was given the title despot. He was to become the despot of Moria. (gasps) Where they do the mines. Where they do the mines, yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is uh, Peloponnese, where Sparta used to be south of Greece. It's the bottom of the triangle. So you are now in charge of that region. Excellent. Oh, and yes, that is right. You are despot. And currently in the empire, the pecking order went emperor, top dog, co-emperor, second top dog, despot, third top dog. So Manuel is now third in line to the throne. Brilliant! (laughs) Bloody brilliant! Love it! Absolutely love it! (laughs) Well, uh... John and Matthew, father and son, fall out at this point, as you might be shocked to learn. There's no Father's Day card for you. (laughs) Well, John uh, writes uh, how angry he was at his son for not understanding why he had to do this. It's like, Matthew, you're my oldest son. If I declare you as despot and you become the heir, people will say that we are trying to, as a family, usurp the Paleologos family. I can't put you as heir. So Manuel's going to be despot. Tell you what, how about I make you a higher rank than despot? said John. I'm listening. Yeah, that sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, so it'll go emperor, co-emperor, you, Matthew, and then your brother was despot. Ooh. What's what's my title going to be? Oh, um, uh, yeah, about that. um, Yeah. There isn't one. But but you'll Des- know. Pot 3.1? I don't no, know. No, no, we just don't no. have a title. But you'll know you're number three, and we'll know you're number three. And a mother will know you're number three. And so would that work? <laughs> yeah, that's um... genuinely what John tried. As you can imagine, <laughs> Matthew wasn't going for that. <laughs> but everyone's going to be so happy with you. <laughs> Great. You'd be so good at the job. Yeah, by this point, uh, Matthew, who obviously he was uh, an important man in the Empire, he'd developed some followers by this point, and they started to tell him that what you should do is declare yourself Emperor and rule from the city of Adrianople. Matthew was very annoyed at his father's proposal, so told his father that that's what he should do. If you're not going to give me a real title, then I'll declare myself Emperor and go to Adrianople and I'll rule from there. I mean, as coups go, that's not the best. It, it's really not. The two argued about this. <laughs> no, you bloody <laughs> no. well not. Yeah, yeah, but you can't make yeah, me. Yeah, the, the argument went on for a while. It got nowhere. So in the end, John called for his wife, Irene, and uh, she came to talk to her son. These talks went a bit better. Get the feeling the relationship between mother and son was a bit better than the one between father and son. Irene was able to convince (laughs) Matthew that if you do this, we will start another civil war and we've only just got out of the last one. Could you please not? However, a compromise was reached. How about, Matthew, you get Diddy Town? You like it there? So you're in charge of that. Diddy Town. And also you'll get a, a huge, huge tract of land in Thrace. People will be very impressed talking about your massive tract of land. Oh, can I, can I show everyone my massive tract of land? Yes, you can. Yes. Can I whip it out at parties? Uh, yes. Yes, you can. Yes. Uh, yeah. So how about that? Compromise. 
And uh, this compromise is fine. For the next few months, Matthew ruled Diddy Town as his own city, essentially. Although he did have to put up with his father and his brother-in-law, the young <laughs> emperor, doing a tour of his land to show everyone who the real emperors were. He, yeah. he didn't appreciate that. Uh, but no. they came, they <laughs> went. When, when, they, when they rocked up with like, like a, a group of people, the emperor and John, it's like, oh, oh, Matthew, yeah, go and, go and fetch us some drinks. That'd be splendid. But I'm trying Yeah, drinks. Drinks. John Canton Xenos just comes in and goes, goes, Andronicus, lovely to see you, my third son. <laughs> Sorry, Matthew. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. No, of course, that's fine. Oh, yes, your, your name's got an M in it, hasn't it? Yes. Talking of which, have you seen this piece of artwork that Manuel did and this book that he wrote? It's amazing stuff. Yes, this Manuel. Oh, if only you could be more like him. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, Matthew... Yes. He's not happy with his family, but at least he's got a, he's got his own city and he's got a massive tract of land, so that's good. And then everyone dies. It's the Black Death again, Jamie. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Oh, yes, the Black Death. Uh, and don't forget, uh, his younger brother Andronicus dies in this. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, it gets the family, it does. It gets a couple of I cousins. have no sons anymore. <laughs> So, Black Death, let's, um, I'm not going to go into a huge amount of uh, detail, frankly, because there really isn't that much, but let's <laughs> let's cover a little bit on the Black Death, shall we? So, do you want to do a little sound guy segment for the Black Death? Black Death. <laughs> so, the Black Death, Jamie. Oh, it was nasty. Yeah. Yes, it was. Yes, oh, it, it was. was. And there we go. That's our Black Death section. Black uh, No, no, there is more. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> that have been hilarious. <laughs> like a massive one minute long intro music with song. <laughs> right. Uh, as I said last episode, we have covered the plague in Justinian's episode. Mm. But also, as mentioned last time, this one was at least three times worse. Uh, likely even more so. It was devastating. Perhaps up to 200 million people died. We're talking estimates of around half the population of Europe killed in a year. Was there that many people living at the time? That seemed crazy. Well, roughly about double that. Uh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point. So, so what is it? Um, well, just as before, it was spread by the fleas that travelled on rats. Um, but... <laughs> That's how uh, fleas talk. That is how fleas talk. Uh, well done, you've done your research. Uh, but where did they come from? The planet Pluto, by the sounds of it, from what you just did. <laughs> yeah, no, not where did fleas come from. Where did the plague this time originate? Well, it's hotly contested. It is most likely to have come from the east. There were reports of an illness in the east as far away as places like China as early as the 1330s. So a good 10 years before, but it's not clear whether that was actually the plague. It's also not clear exactly where it comes from. Some historians suggest it was actually Europe where it originated, but this seems less likely. The consensus seems to be somewhere in Asia. Okay. Yeah. What we do know <laughs> is that it swept through Europe in the late 1340s and early 1350s, and this is where it did most of its damage. Yeah. Things were horrible. Um, and also, there were two types. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So, you get to play, what type of plague do I have? Yay! Yay! 
Okay, so you don't know it, by the way, but right. you've caught the plague. Woo! You've been walking around the streets. Yep. You've heard rumour, dark whispers from the east, that some people have been getting a cold or something. And you're walking around the streets of Constantinople, and then suddenly mm-hmm. you get a little bite on your leg. Oh, that's a common occurrence. Ow! Son of a... Yeah, you, you turn around because you got the little bite on your leg, just to see if it was like someone tapping you but no it's just a little bite but then they're they're you're face to face with someone looking a bit peaky and they cough in your face Uh, yeah yeah. you're right guy (laughs) now you'll be pleased to know one of these things didn't give you the plague ah (laughs) yeah one of the things did though jamie Oh. <laughs> yeah. I was only focusing on the positives. No, well, it's, it's my way of trying to break the news to you in a positive way. <laughs> You've got two conditions. One isn't terminal. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so what do you want? Here's your choices. Okay. In a few days, you suddenly feel very cold. Ooh, get a blanket. You suffer pins and needles all over your arms and legs. Acupuncture. You're incredibly tired. And your mood is affected. You feel extreme depression. What is the Ugh. point? Uh-huh. Okay, that's option one. Right, brilliant. Or you find yourself being a bit short of breath for a while. <gasps> and this is it's like the day after. Uh, and then you develop a bit of a chest pain as you breathe. Just sort of sharp pain in your chest. Ooh, that's not yeah, nice. That's nasty. Uh, okay, which one do you want? I know if the chest pain one. You're going to go for a chest pain. Well, let me tell you what you could have won. <laughs> you could have had bubonic plague, but you turned oh, this yay. one down. Yeah. Oh, that's that's the big under the arm thing, isn't it? Well, uh, that bite on your leg, because it was on your leg, it's going to be the nearest lymph nodes that are going to swell the most. So that's your groin. Oh, that's groin. Oh, oh. yeah, that's your groin. The oh. swelling was usually in the groin because the bites were more common in people's lower half of their bodies. Yeah. Uh, when, yeah, when we had a cat, had fleas, it was always in your ankles. You had flea bites. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but obviously, the armpits, behind your ears, anywhere there's a lymph node could swell. Behind and, your ooh, ears? Yeah, yeah. You've got some behind really? your ears. Yeah, did you not know that? Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, oh, it's nasty. These, these swellings, big as apples sometimes they were, and not anywhere near as tasty. <laughs> some doctors gave first-hand accounts. <laughs> yes. This is a terrible pie. <laughs> so you've been feeling cold and pins and needly and sort of lethargic and depressed for about a week and your lymph node starts to swell in your groin and it gets bigger and bigger. Ooh, and then, Oh, stop. Please stop. Yeah. Uh, after a couple of days, this gets into your, into your bloodstream as well. Um, you start where the initial bite was, the skin starts to blister and those blisters spread all very nasty. Uh, your skin starts to go... Uh, or discoloured, the some of the swelts would erupt all pus-like. Uh, but there's a good chance you're not even noticing any of this because your skin's what? on fire. Uh, oh. You've got such a high fever, you're delirious. Your headache is making it so you can barely see, uh, and you've fallen unconscious. Ah, Thank- sweet relief. Thankfully, yeah. yeah. This is incredibly serious, obviously, and incredibly painful, but. You had a chance of surviving it. Yay. Yeah. So this was the flea bite. So that flea didn't infect you because you chose the other one. And also, if you got this one, good news, you're not infectious to other people. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. You didn't choose that one, however. 
But had so. you have chosen this one, you wouldn't have been infectious <laughs> to other people, which is good. That's uh, good. I care about other people. Yeah. We can actually quote John 6 Cantacuzinos himself describing it, which is quite nice. As much as we've got all the writing of John Cantacuzinos, I could not find anywhere an English translation of it. So I was having to rely on other people talking about his writing. But So why uh, didn't you learn the language to be able to read it, Rob? Uh, I tried. I tried. I didn't have enough time. Um, but someone has <laughs> translated the section where he was talking about the plague, which is nice. So we get a quote here. They, the victims, were first seized by a very violent fever. When the sickness reached the head, they were gripped by a speechlessness and fell unconscious to all reality, as though they had dropped into a deep sleep. If they revived, they wanted to speak, but their tongue was too hard to move, and they said a great many confused things. So this describing the very end of that where you've just gone delirious and a bit mad. So anyway, that's what you could have won. You didn't go for that. No. Yeah. Uh, very hard to actually guess, but it would seem like you had maybe about a 30% chance of dying of that one. Only 30%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could pull through that one. It was nasty. It lingered. It was a long one. Oh, oh, it was nasty. But uh, it was... It was I would have not predicted that. Hmm. It was a decent chance you'd have get through there. These are very rough hmm. figures. It could have been up to 50%. <laughs> yeah, It is very enough. hard to be sure. But if you got that one, you had a fighting chance. You, however, chose mnemonic plague. Yeah, that yeah. sounds better. It's like a mnemonic. Yeah, well, you started coughing up blood and sputum. Oh. The day after. It's on the very same day that you got coughed in the face, did you feel a bit of a pain in your chest? The next day you're coughing. Yeah, you're coughing up blood and sputum. And then the next system was suffering from acute being dead. So you're dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, this one was much quicker, less icky, but very, very deadly. You were usually dead within two days. So is that the one that killed most people, then? Again, this is very rough, but you're looking more at, like, 75% chance of dying of this one. And then if you average the two out, you're starting to get more into figure. Good news... As, as, as I'm sure people did back then, is there a chance to retake which one you'd like to choose? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Uh, Damn it. It was, it was... Yeah, it's fairly random. It's a bit like when you get a scratch card. It's like you, you, <laughs> you go all in and then you've got to live with the consequences. Yeah, uh, this one was caused by you inhaling the infection. So that person who coughed on you, you inhaled droplets. And uh, yeah, by the way, you are incredibly infectious yourself. So stop coughing on people. <coughs> yeah. Uh, Sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> good news, however. Mm-hmm. This one was actually the rarer of, of the two. Yes, so I'm lucky. Yes, that's one way of looking at it, yeah. yeah you, got, you, go. you got the rare one. Uh, yeah, obviously, as a person, you were more infectious, but people tended to stay away from you, and you died quickly. You <laughs> didn't have much time to spread it on. Um, the bubonic plague was being spread by the fleas, and no one was stopping the fleas, so that was the one that was spreading more commonly. Do you think back then they had like campaigns on washing hands and stuff? Yes and no. uh, If you're washing your hands in the font of holy water and then praying to the Lord, then yes, because that's what Mm. people were doing. They were turning to religion. Everyone thought that this was God's judgment. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, there were very few people who were linking it to anything else. There was one idea that the air itself had turned bad. You could argue there was some scientific thinking around there, but some kind of airborne smells, isn't it? 
Uh, no, this was uh, three planets aligning in the sky, causing the air to turn bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's logical. Like, back then, that's vaguely logical thinking. Yeah. So, that's the individuals. That's what it looked like if you were a person. But what about this city? What about Constantinople, capital of the empire? What did that look like in the mid 1300s? All wearing masks. <laughs> well, two two meter signs everywhere. That's that's what it was. You might have noticed the empire's seen better days, and I'm talking pre Black Death here. The empire yeah. has had a rough time of it the last couple of hundred years. What with the Fourth Crusade, the sacking of the city, the retaking of the city, and then just civil war after civil war. Constantinople is not the glorious city that it once was. I was going to say, it's probably not the... Uh, it's not the pinnacle. No, the population has hugely declined. Well, they're all dead. Oh, again, this before the Black Death. Um, all right. Yeah, this they're is They're almost all dead. <laughs> well, some perspective here. When the first plague ripped through the city in Justinian's time, there was an estimated half a million people living in Constantinople. 500,000. That's a lot. Yeah. The plague, it is estimated, reduced the city down to around 300,000. Wow. That's, yeah, 200,000 deaths in a very short period of time. However, by the time we reached the golden age of the Macedonian dynasty, and we're looking at rulers like Basil II in roughly the year 1000, we're back up to half a million again. City's back up and running how it should be. So that's the year 1000, roughly half a million. Then, 350 very tough years go by. All the... <laughs> Merely a blink in time. <laughs> yeah, all, all the crap that I've just mentioned, the sacks and the civil wars, and all of that happens. By the late 1340s, the population is estimated to be around 100,000. Right. A fifth of what it was during the height. So if you're imagining what the city looks like... The settlements that were outside the walls have long been abandoned. Remember, the city grew so big that they started mm. to build outside the walls. Not anymore, that's all gone. In fact, inside the walls, farms have started to spring up on unused land. That's how depopulated <laughs> the city is. So it was already a depleted city when the plague struck. And yes, it was a fifth of the size that it used to be, but it's still one of the largest cities in Europe at this time, with 100,000 people in it, and it had a very busy port. So all the plague ripped through it like a hot flea. Uh, <laughs> the citizens of the city, like I say, turned to religion to help them. It did not help them. After a year of the dead piling up in the streets of being buried in stinking mass graves, finally the plague passes through. Now, as I say, the 80% mortality figure I gave last time is heavily contested. Uh, this is the upper limit of estimations. Some claim that it's as low as 33%, so a third. I think we can safely say at least 50% of the city were killed by this plague. That does seem like a sensible yeah. estimation. So you flip a coin whether you got through it or not. Uh, what we do know is around 100 years later, the population of the city has fallen down to about 45,000. So less than half wow. of what it was. Uh, we can only wow. assume a large portion of that is going to be the Black Death ripping through. Yeah. Uh, but just so you know, yes, it only lasts a year this first time, but oh, it comes back. 
Yeah, just right. like before in Justinian's time, it, it sort of does waves back and forward across Europe for a while. So there you go. That's that's a bit about the Black Death. We can have nice. Sound Guy come back and say Black Death again. Black Death. <laughs> So, there you go. Black Death. Horrible. Lots of people dying. Very sad. With the Black Death's initial wave that lasted just over a year, John VI then looked around and took stock of his empire. Uh, (laughs) And just said, oh, uh, shit. Yep. Now, keep trying to bring it back to Matthew here because it's his episode, but obviously we don't get much detail on him. But seeing it from Matthew's point of view, he would have noticed how low he seemed to have fallen in the pecking order. His brother Manuel is the despot of Moria and the Peloponnese. His brother-in-law, Nikephros, who, I forgive you if you've forgotten, Nikephros was that child who was the despot of Epirus and then married Nikephros's daughter, at least one of them. Um, well, he's still oh, not... Yeah. He, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> and to be fair, I barely mentioned him at all. Just know, in Epiros is a despot called Nikephros, who is John Cantacuzinos's son-in-law. So he's got more power than Matthew so as have well. More, more than one despot? Yeah, you, you got your main despot, and then you got... All right. Yeah. Deputy despot. It, it, it was just one of those things where people just knew who was third, and it was yeah. Manuel. And also, don't forget, Matthew's got two other brother-in-laws, uh, the Emperor John V himself, and also the Ottoman ruler, Orhan. Orhan, yeah. Yeah, so um, he's got all of these relatives doing all right for themselves, and he's got Diddy Town and a bit of Thrace, and that's it. And his farmland. Which is just covered in dead peasants. Fertiliser. <laughs> However, when Dushan invaded and threatened to take Thessalonica, the Tents family united. His father was going to go with John V with their forces, and Matthew was given an instruction. Wait for Orhan's son, Solomon, because he's going to bring some cavalry for us to use. So meet up with Solomon and bring them to us, son. I only trust you with this, hmm. the letter said. And then a little hand came out of the letter and put, put his hand on Matthew's shoulder in a fatherly way and uh, Matthew welled up a little bit (laughs) yeah so Matthew does this Matthew goes and meets up with Solomon fantastic right off we go he said and then it all turns into humiliation for Matthew Solomon said to him not long after they've met up sorry gotta go back home my dad said I'm needed back home there's been some unrest can't help sorry I want to play. Yeah, bye. So that's it. Solomon just turned and left with thousands of cavalry. Matthew was suddenly left with just him and his personal troops. He realised he could not turn up to the battle empty-handed. So he just goes home to Diddy Town, which sounds like On my way back to to Diddy Diddy Town. Town. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, I need a banjo in there somewhere. (laughs) Well, his father was able to make a deal with Dushan, and uh, his father and John V rescued the city of Thessalonica. His father Spinach. goes back to the Brilliant. capital. John V stays in Thessalonica, the empire's second city. Wonderful, thinks Matthew. How lovely for everyone. I'm getting very much Arnold Rimmer vibes. From <laughs> yes. <laughs> Now, as we saw last time, it was not long till John V's advisers convinced him that his senior emperor was planning to put Matthew on the throne unless he could do something about it. 
Something it really didn't seem like was actually true, but they convinced John Five of it. So, what could you do, said his advisers? Why don't you accept Dushan's help to take the throne? That's sensible. Now, John Six couldn't leave the capital at this time. There was a whole hoo-ha going on between Genoa and the... And, and Venice, and he had to try and organise stuff with that. So, John Cantacuzinos sends Anna of Sausage to go and tell her son off. Go over there. If you find Dushan there, send him packing. Uh, Anna of Sausage turns up. Sure enough, Dushan's waiting nearby. He is sent packing. Uh, John Five is sent to the capital, off to be told off. <laughs> Once there, John, probably from advice from his mother, said to the elder emperor... How about, to stop me having these improper thoughts, shall we say, (laughs) how about you give me Thrace? I won't be in Thessalonica or in the capital, the two major cities causing trouble. Uh, Just give me some land in Thrace. Yeah. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll run that and I'll be happy with that. It'll solve all our problems. Yeah, this was a concession from John Cantacuzinos. He didn't particularly want to do it, but... As we saw time and time again, he was trying to make it work between the two families. So, okay then, fine. You have Thrace. If you say that's what it takes to stop you from plotting things, you have Thrace. Okay. Of course, that means your capital would be Diddy Town. Yes? Yes, it would, wouldn't it? Okay, I'd best write a letter to my son. (laughs) So... (laughs) So Matthew receives word from his father... I'm giving all your land to John Five, including Diddy Town, where you've been living for the last few years. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you're going to have to move out. Soz about that. Yeah. Uh, but, 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 John Kant Casinos realised he was probably going to upset his son. So he said, <laughs> you can have nearby, larger, more prestigious Adrianople instead. Now, again, if you look at your triangle, look how close Diddy Town and Adrianople are to each other. They are next-door neighbours, as cities go. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, so, seriously, you just need to move up the road, go to Adrianople. How about that? So, Matthew, fuming, moved. He was not happy about it. And by now, he and his supporters had had enough of all these slights. Soon after, John Five moves into Diddy Town, and um, there you go. You've got two people who dislike each other in cities next door to each other. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Nothing at all. It'll be fine. It will be fine. Uh, Matthew received an invitation from his father to come and see him. I've heard some rumours that you're a bit miffed about what I've just done. So, why don't you come and see me? Matthew refused to go. No, I'm too busy. No, I'm going to my room! (laughs) I'm too busy. baby! Too busy in Diddy Town, he wrote, and then crossed it out and wrote Adrian Apple. (laughs) Really pointedly. Yeah, sorry, can't come. So instead, a few months later, his mum came knocking. Cooey! Your father says... Your father says you've both had a bit of a falling out. So I've come to visit you and see if there's anything wrong. Matthew, I'm sure, was a bit touched by this. Mother's turning up, that's nice. Right up until he realised that she'd also visited John Five. First... I couldn't find out. I really wanted to know who got visited first. I did look into it. And she brought loads of presents as well. (laughs) Yes. Like a golden cow carving. 
loads of amazing Belgian chocolates, that kind of thing. And then on the way to on the way to Matthew, just like one of those like car hangy smelly things, like, oh, this is all I could get on the way, sorry. <laughs> it's all they had. Yeah. But it's cherry flavoured. I don't like cherry. I'm allergic to cherry. Oh, sorry, I forgot. And then when she arrives and she sits down for a feast, she just occasionally makes comments about how she had a wonderful feast a few days ago. Yes. Oh, the beef was so much more succulent down in uh, Diddy Town. Yeah. (laughs) Down in Diddy Town. Diddy Town. Where the beef is succulent. (laughs) Wet cow. (laughs) (laughs) what. It's what the travelling minstrels would sing at the time. It was very popular. There was Welcome a, to the wet cow! The there juiciest was a, beef in all of... Down in Diddy Town was a very popular song at the time. <laughs> it was really good. Um, anyway, so, Mother turns up. She tries to ease the tensions between the two men. And for various reasons that we've just covered, the visit achieves nothing. If anything, it seems to kick off a spark. Because as soon as she left... One of them attacks the other. Oh. Do you want to guess who does the attacking? Um, I'm guessing Matthew. No, it wasn't. It was John Five. (gasps) Maybe Mother kept saying to John Five, like, oh, I can't wait to go and see Matthew. He's so nice. And the two of them just thought that they were being slighted, maybe. Uh, But anyway, John Five attacks Adrianople. This is the co-emperor of the Romans attacking a city within his own empire it's definitely not a good thing to do is it now remember the average person on the street tended to like the paleologos family a lot more than the cantacuzinos one so adrianople simply opened their gates to the emperor after all he's the emperor they said we can't close the gates to him matthew and his men had to barricade themselves in the citadel Outside the walls, shouts came accusing him of cantacuzinism. You'll be in a cant! (laughs) Matthew's just on the walls going, but I am a cant, literally. (laughs) I can't help it. I'm a massive cant. (laughs) Anyway, he manages to get word to his father. It's like, okay, we've had our differences recently, but seriously, that idiot you keep supporting over me has... He's, he's bloody attacked. That's what he's bloody well gone and done. What are yeah. you going to do about it? And Daddy. Yeah, and John 6 realises he does need to do something, so he turns up with some troops. <laughs> Three. Uh, well, not he had some troops, but he did have to pad them with some uh, Turkish mercenaries just to make sure. <laughs> now they're up to five. Well, John 5 sees that John 6 is coming with troops and Turkish mercenaries, so he sent a message to Dushan. Any chance you want to help out still? So then some Serbs turn up. Not only that, the Bulgars turn up and then some Venetians. It's pretty much let's all go and play war in the Roman Empire again like we saw last time. Let's carve it up like a cheese on a Tuesday. Yeah, and then seeing this, John Cantacuzino sent word to his son-in-law, Orhan. Any chance you can send more troops? And uh, soon enough, Suleiman, Orhan's son turned up with a large force. Skirmishes break out. Lots of fighting, largely between the Serbians and the Ottoman forces. <laughs> the, the Romans don't have enough men at this point, so they are just... <laughs> it's just too embarrassing to fight. It's like, no, no, go yeah. on without us. Yeah, the, the Serbs and the Ottomans realise that, okay, the Romans are having a civil war, but they are pathetic now. 
and whoever wins, we get control, and they will become our vassal state. That's what the Serbians and the Ottomans are thinking. So they're willing to fight this Roman mm. civil war, and they do. Um, but then winter hits. There's been some harsh winters recently, and the cold weather seems to bring cooler heads, because if the Ottomans and the Serbs realise this, uh, that they can just pick the carcass of the Roman Empire if a civil war fights, then John VI and John V realise it also. Mm. So they get to talking. Right, okay, how about we stop the civil war, and, because for various reasons John VI had the upper hand when they talked, it was decided that John V would go and live on an island, Tenedos, which is a Greek island but very near the coast of Turkey. Lovely beaches, cocktail bars. Oh, yeah, oh, that kind of yeah, thing. Great yeah, great time. Near, near the entrance to the Hellespont, so as you're right in the top corner, it's right right in there. You're saying um, words I don't know, but okay, sounds good. The, the bit of sea that joins the Mediterranean and the Black Sea, it was the entrance of that. Black Sea is... The, the big... The big... Where is it on the triangle? Oh, up to the right. You know where Crimea is? No. It's not on the triangle. <laughs> no, it's not on the triangle. It's not on the outside of the triangle either. Um, tell you what, on the triangle, it's the the bit of sea that is like just <laughs> in the top right. Of, anyway, never mind. <laughs> it's in the Mediterranean in the top right hand corner. All right, that's nice. all you need to know. And it's Sounds nice. It's lovely. got beaches. It's lovely. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you're going to go to Tenedos. Uh, not not in exile, of course. No. Um, it's just a lovely little palace that I've got for you. You're not under arrest. Okay? Matthew was pleased. Excellent. It looks like his father's finally putting the young emperor in his yeah. place and has put him under arrest. <laughs> He's so under arrest. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> However, John V's friends were equally angered. It's like... like He says he's not exiled you, but he has. This is an exile. He's popped you on an island. Yeah, and you're not allowed to leave. Yeah, exactly. Well, John V was convinced that he needed to do something. And, to be fair, it was a very mild exile. He wasn't actually under guard or anything. So one night, he sails up the Hellespont in just a single ship. And uh, John Cantacuzinos was not in the capital at the time. So the plan was for John V to enter Constantinople and simply take over while the senior emperor was away. Oh, okay. Yeah. Easy. Just, not, a bit, not a big invasion, just me in one ship. I'll just go there, walk into the palace, say, I'm in charge. Front office, I'm taking over. You'll yeah. <laughs> Goes to the sign-in sheet, writes his name, purpose of visit. <laughs> Take over. Yeah. Puts on his visitor badge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but none of that comes true to pass, because as he approached the uh, the city, um, the, the ship he's in is noticed. He sh- probably should have taken the big banner down. Uh, <laughs> the yeah. Empress Irene was able to keep the troops in Constantinople on the Cantacuzinos side, so they were able to turn the boat away. John V decides this isn't going to work, so he sails back to his island. Uh, John Cantacuzinos quickly comes back to a Constantinople full of confused people, especially the powerful. Many said to him, what on earth is going on? You're meant to be regent looking after the empire for the young emperor. Yeah. But if you are denying John V access to the capital, then Mm. surely that means he's the enemy. And if he's the enemy, should you not crown Matthew as your co-emperor? Oh. 
Yes. Now, you can see from this that, <laughs> that Matthew clearly has friends in high places in the capital, yeah. and they're doing his bidding. I'm so hoping John Six went, who? Who? Manuel. No, he, oh. he died years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's in Greece, sir. Oh. <laughs> I have a son. <laughs> Rejoice. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Let me go well, and see the infant. Well, uh, John reluctantly realised they did actually have a point here. This was getting ridiculous. So he goes to the Patriarch, a man who he himself had appointed not that long ago. What would you say, Patriarch, if, uh, just theoretically, if I was to ask you to crown my son Matthew, co-emperor, uh, how do you think the Patriarch took it? I, th- I think just a lot of laughing while he's just noshing down on a cheese sandwich. Uh, cheese sandwiches might have been involved, but certainly no laughter. He shut himself oh. in a monastery and refused to come out. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not getting involved in this. No. Slam, bolt, sound of a bolt closing. Yeah. It's Lots like, of oh, footsteps hurrying away, getting quieter. Another door opening, slamming, bolt closing. Yeah. Sound of a horse galloping away very quietly <laughs> in the background. I'll tell you that's a no then. <laughs> Well, I mean, oaths had been sworn. John Cantacuzinos had put the Patriarch in place and had assured the Patriarch that I'm here as a regent, don't worry. The Paleologos family are the royal family. Mm. Uh, So the Patriarch was not happy with this. Still, they've got to do something. So Matthew receives word from his father, come to the capital, we're going to declare you heir and emperor. Hooray, thinks Matthew. Yes, this is all I ever wanted. The love of my own father. Exactly. And he spelt my name right. He actually put two T's in this time. Look, 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 Irene, look. Uh, yeah, it is actually his. I mean, all the other letters were wrong, but there were two T's. I mean, if you read it phonetically, it's about Timothy. Uh, but, <laughs> but there were two T's and an M. <laughs> That's so, what, what more love do you need from your parents? <laughs> exactly. That's... So after a quick rush to the, the depot office to change his name to Timothy, uh, <laughs> Matthew headed to the capital and was indeed declared emperor. Best day of uh, his life. Yes, he then goes back to his uh, base of support, Adrianople, and he waits for his father to figure out the details of the coronation. Because it's one thing to be declared emperor, but you need to be crowned yeah. by a patriarch to officially be an emperor. The current patriarch was still in his monastery, refusing to come out. Um, <laughs> I'm not coming Come on, he'll be fine. No, no. not coming out. You promised. <laughs> yeah, well, it took several months, but in the end, uh, John Cantacuzinos was able to get rid of the patriarch and install a new one that would indeed crown his son. Hooray. So in February of 1354, Matthew was crowned Emperor of the Romans. Oh. And therefore, arguably, he gets an episode. I'm, I'm going to point out that the build-up to this point was very long. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's because he does a lot and it's going to be a long episode, Jamie. Have you thought about that? Well... Maybe. Well, the line in the sand's drawn now. No longer was there a pretense that the two families were united. Civil war seemed almost certain. And then there was a massive earthquake. Well, that's not helpful. Really does seem like end of day stuff at the moment. You've got plague, you've got earthquakes. It's all awful and terrible. Now, the centre of this earthquake was the city of um, Gallipoli. Oh. Yes, made famous by Churchill, that Gallipoli. Uh, It struck 
in the middle of the night and devastated the town. The walls crumbled, the houses collapsed, it was, it was awful. Across the narrow stretch of water in Anatolia, the Turks noticed this and thought, ha this is the time to go raiding. <laughs> uh, and also Orhan's son, Solomon, who happened to be in the area for a bit of raiding, even though his father was the son-in-law of the emperor, but shh, it's fine. Uh, yeah. It's minutiae. Well, he also saw an opportunity and actually went to Gallipoli itself and started raiding the ruined city. Uh, and after doing that, when well, it's quite nice here. I mean, the walls have all fallen down, but we can rebuild those. We've got lots of new slaves that we've just captured. We'll get them to do it. Because mm. um, this Europe looks all right, it does. Mm, yeah. too bad. So they just stay. Uh, John Cantacuzinos writes to them and says, can you leave please and Solomon just goes nope <laughs> so that's it you've now got the Turks in Europe like they're actually holding land yeah John Cantacuzinos in one last ditch effort to stop the upcoming civil war that seemed obvious headed to the island of Tenedos uh, and he took Matthew with him could the three emperors get together and come to an agreement but Matthew being there just angered John Five, who refused to meet them no not talking to you Bye. So, John and Matthew withdraw. Soon after this, John V decides to, to reenact his previous plan. He is going to sail up the Hellespont with just a couple of ships. He's going to get into the city and uh, just declare himself emperor. This time, however, the support for the Cantacuzinos family is really waning. The general people yeah. have always supported the Paleologos family, and by this point, a lot of the powerful have started to see which way the wind is blowing. John Cantacuzinos has mentioned a few times by this point that he'd actually quite like to retire and become a monk. And this Matthew kid, he seems like a bit of an idiot. So maybe we should actually get in behind John Five before it's too late. So the Cantacuzinos family start to see their power waning. John sails up the Hellespont, he sneaks into the capital, and as we saw last time, after three days of unrest, the two Johns meet and decide they would be joint emperors. John V would control the capital. Matthew, mm. by the way, he can have Adrianople, said John V. What? Well, after a week, John VI then abdicated, and this is where he becomes a monk. Uh, and as we yeah. discussed, he claimed he was doing it for the good of the empire. There is some truth in that, but it's mainly because the younger John had the support of the people, and, yeah, John realised it was time to bow out, as in John Cantacuzinos did. Matthew, meanwhile, obviously not happy. But remember, his mother and his father are still alive. They've not mm -hmm. been killed, so they counsel him not to do anything drastic. Look, son, you're still technically co-emperor. No one's taken that from you. If you rock the boat here, maybe someone will. But it is only a matter of time that this, until this uneasy peace is shattered. In the capital, John Five supporters are saying, well done, great, you got rid of John Six. Fantastic. Now you just need to get rid of that idiot Matthew, and then the Paleologos family are back in charge. Wonderful. Ooh. Yes. John Five restored the patriarch who had refused to crown Matthew, who finally came out of his monastery sort of creeped the door open a bit and just peered out. You could just see his eye. Hello? <laughs> then spotted it. it was the young John instead of the old John out there. Oh. And he strode out of the monastery, he did. Hello! Putting his robe back on. Here we just, go, just fantastic. Yeah. Yes, and um, because he was now the patriarch again, uh, this led to many saying that Matthew's crowning was illegitimate. It was done by <gasps> a false patriarch. Oh, yeah. wow, yeah, fair point. Yeah. Now, believe it or not, Matthew and John V actually meet in person. 
to try and settle things. Can only imagine that was a tense meeting. John, who massively had the upper hand by this point, as you can imagine, said to Matthew, tell you what, you can still be called co-emperor, but you've got to go to the south of Greece, where your brother Manuel is, and you can rule that bit of land. Pretty much as far away as possible. Yeah, and when I say that bit of land, there's a farm. <laughs> you get the little third of the field. Well, there were... With two... the chickens? Yes, the chickens. Well, there were two people who didn't like the sound of this. Matthew, obviously, was one, but Manuel was the other. He'd been ruling that region for years at this point yeah. and was doing a good job of it. He didn't want his older brother to suddenly turn yeah. up with a... Get off my title. land! Yeah, Look exactly. my chickens! So Matthew didn't go for it. Instead, he decides to fight. He marches on the capital in early 1356. Wow. Yeah, but something happens on the way he was not expecting, because news then reaches them that Dushan, what's he done this time? Invaded the capital? No, he's only gone and bloody well died, Jamie. Oh, oh, loser. Yeah, Dushan, as, as we have seen, has been the most stable force in the region for years. He had expanded the Serbian, Serbian Empire to the point that it was now the major power in the region. But on his death, like so often happens, his death was the death knoll to his empire. Uh. He did not have a clear succession plan, and the Serbian Empire shatters into a thousand pieces. So, on his way to the capital, Matthew had picked up some Turkish mercenaries, uh, but also there were some Serbian mercenaries in the empire looking for work. We're fight for you, they said. Now, Matthew saw the Serbians as the enemy. Mm. The Serbians had always backed John Five, But more troops would be good. Mm, okay, fine. Yes, okay, you can come and fight for me. Unfortunately, however, the Turkish and Serbian troops did not get on. Remember, the Turkish oh. and Serbian troops had been fighting each other for quite some time in <laughs> Roman land. Oh, can you imagine the, uh, the meeting o over at like a buffet? We're going to try and quell tensions. Here we go. Um, Tony, meet Brian. Shake hands. No? Oh, you'll now stab each other. Okay, right on. Yes, you're, you're now just dead. Great. Uh, yeah, fighting breaks out. Yeah. The Turks and the Serbs have been fighting each other long enough. They knew who the real enemy was. Who cared about these Romans? It's all about who comes out on top once the Romans finally fall over. So they turn on each other, like you speculate, maybe over a buffet dinner. Uh, all Ruin we do know... Well, all we do know is that in the chaos that ensued, a Serbian commander managed to kidnap Matthew. Now, the plan was originally to ransom him back to his family, but John V was, uh, heard that Matthew had been kidnapped, so he sent word to this Serbian commander, I'll, I'll, I'll buy him. Can I have him? <laughs> so, John V pays up, and Matthew is sent to Lesbos to be imprisoned. John, after letting Matthew stew for some months on the island, came to him with a proposal. Here we go, Matthew. You are no longer emperor, but you can have a title that puts you third after my son, Andronicus IV. How about that? I'll make you third in line. Now, that sounds quite reasonable, but Matthew objected. This is an insult. I'm an emperor. How dare you just demote yeah. me and being third means nothing because it'll be your son and then it'll be his son yeah this is an insult to the cantacazinos name how dare you uh, but then one day appearing in his prison came none other than his father dressed as a monk because he's now a monk remember oh, john yeah. yeah john cantacazinos turns up and probably clips his son round the ear and says <laughs> look here son <laughs> 
you what the need, bloody hell have you done? You need to accept this. This could be a lot worse, all right? Yeah. Look at me. Look at me, Manuel. Look at me. <laughs> Matthew. Uh, <laughs> Matthew reluctantly accepts. Okay, I mean, he's he's got nothing. He's got no support anymore. All he's got is this title, and he's just got to give it up. So he accepts. Uh, during a small ceremony at the end of 1357, he is declared not emperor. <laughs> I hope they said that repeatedly. Yes. This is the not emperor ceremony. Yes. What What are you, Matthew? Not emperor. Sorry, we didn't, didn't quite catch that at the back. Well, him being not emperor uh, seems to stick because he then moves to Constantinople, amazingly enough. He's not, like, exiled or kept on Lesbos or anything. No, he goes and lives a good few years in Constantinople and, as far as we can tell, doesn't cause any trouble. Then, in 1361, oh, the Black Death's back, so he quickly scarpers out of the capital. It's not a good place to be. Uh, So he goes and moves down to the south of Greece with his brother Manuel. He lives there for another 20 years until Manuel dies. He takes over ruling for a brief period, but then retires, because he's quite old by that point. Uh, He then either dies shortly after that, or in another 10 years after that, in 1391. We don't know. There you go. We're we're, we're less than 100 years from the Tudors at that point. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're not far from the birth of Christopher Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, scary stuff. You sell the seven seas, apparently. Yeah, just count them. Yeah, so there you go. That's that's Matthew, first and last of his name. Should we rate him? Yeah. He was involved in fighting. He followed his dad a lot, and when he was older, he like, got involved in skirmishes. Yeah, I mean, he got just he got distracted at one point. And... But to all intents and purposes, he loses every single fight he has ever part of. John Five is the one who attacks him, not the other way around. Well, that's a good point. He has to call for his father to bail him out. <laughs> Daddy! Yeah. He then sits there and moans for a bit and then eventually decides to march on the capital where he is kidnapped. It, it's not good. There is nothing good about this. No, there is... No, I don't think I can give him any points. He was involved in some fighting, which so? is more than some emperors. So? So maybe a token point. You can give him a token point if you'd like. Yeah, OK, that's one token point. He gets one for this round. Yeah, Next. Um, well, uh, there are no stories of him doing anything crazy, but I don't know, can he even get opprobrium points? He does march on the capital, but it was pathetic. And but you also, yeah, but by marching he went on a boat on his own, essentially. No, so, no, you're thinking of John Five. You've got your people oh, confused damn it. there. Yes, sorry. No, this is right at the end when he marches on the capital. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I mean that's that's beyond stupid at this point. Where there's no support, not real any force to fight with. But there are no stories. He doesn't do anything crazy. There is very little about him. There is more about Manuel than there is about him. You oh, you'd get... hate that. <laughs> oh, you do. You definitely get the impression that Manuel was the favourite son. He was just so cool. Yeah. Uh, so I don't. I mean, there's nothing there, so I don't think we can give anything. I agree. Do he it. he did he did attempt to march on the capital. Does he deserve a token one point? I yeah, it's a good point. Go on, then. He gets one for this round. Yeah. Next. Success ultimate. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Okay, this is his round, Jamie. Uh, because you, you'd think, wouldn't you, that there was no time to make coins for him. Yeah. Well, you're wrong. 
have a look of uh, on Wikipedia. Uh, he does have a coin. Right. Okay. So this is what I'm seeing. Yeah. What are you saying? Lots of dots. Yeah. That look like a robot, and on top there's a little tiny figure. Yeah. It's him. It's like he's driving a machine. That is exactly what it looks like. It looks like he is standing in a big glass bucket on top of a giant Iron Man that he's controlling. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a, an Iron Man or a man made of twigs, and he's just a little figure controlling it by standing on top of it. It is a very bizarre image that is very corroded, so that's possibly why it looks like this. Uh, but it, it it's an amazing coin. Uh, <laughs> it does it, look like it, he's do, using do you know a robot. Like, do you know what it looks like to me? Because this doesn't look like a... I mean, obviously it was, and it's, yeah, I think you're right, it's tarnished over time, but it looks like it's been hastily made by somebody to prove they had a coin. <laughs> yes, it really does. That's a very good point. I quite like it, though. I, I really like it. <laughs> That's so unique. I've like it's, we've before. never seen a coin like it. No. It reminds me of the dying days of the West, where the Ant-Man kept turning up. Yes. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of that. And so we've not had a, we haven't got long. Yeah, we've not had a coin for ages because we've um, had paintings, so it's mm. ni- nice for a change. Yeah. Uh, just because it's weird and unusual, I'm, I'm going eight. I really like it. I'm going to match you. Four whole points. Well done, Matthew. Completed. Believe it or not, uh, he actually reigned for four years. Genuinely surprised by that. That's uh, cool. uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of that, he was just hanging out on Lesbos. Uh, waiting for the verdict. <laughs> Three years just in exile. A lot of it, he was just... No. Is that date right? That doesn't seem right. I'm just going to check something. I mean, if it's even less, that would be even more her- mm. hilarious. I mean, to keep that in that you've just discovered. 54. <laughs> I knew that looked wrong. I was just going off the uh, the dates on Wikipedia, and it says his reign was from 1353. But that is when he's declared he is crowned in February of 54. So, hmm. So we're, uh, let's split the difference. Let's say it was, like, dead at the start of 54. Yeah. And, um, so three yeah. years, what are you saying? Yeah, let's call it three years. I don't think he deserves four years. So let's just That's quickly... even more brilliant than I <laughs> was hoping for. <laughs> so let's work that out. So it's 0.375, so I'm guessing it's 0.38. Yes, 0.38 for this round. That's what he gets. So that's his uh, a total score of 456.38, if I've counted that correctly. So it's 6.38, you're correct. Yeah. Hey, fantastic. Well, fantastic for our ability to do maths. Uh, less fantastic for Matthew. Matty K. No. no. Um, but here's a question. Does Matty K deserve Jeanne César? Do they have a certain... Je <laughs> only, only emperor to be called Matthew. Yeah, that's something that's unusual about him. Mm-hmm. One of our Jeff Storians uh, on our Discord has said that he is very pleased that Matthew's getting an episode because he was a revolutionary and most people forget about him. Not my words, the words of a Jeff Storian, Jamie, and you can trust them. Well, that's true, they are pretty good with their history. Um... I don't know. I'm kind of torn slightly. 
shall we flip the coin? Well, put it this way, if it wasn't for the fact that John 5 has a long reign and I'm dreading his episode slightly, and the fact that the Black Death happens, there's no way Matthew would have got an episode. You can argue he should have got one, you can argue he shouldn't, and this just gave me a little bit more time to get my head around (laughs) what we were doing, so um, it's a definite no. Yeah, of course not. Okay, right, well there you go, then that's a no from us. Matthew... We find you as disappointing as your father. Mm. Not as much as your father, but maybe very close, I think. Matthew, you should be pleased that Soundguy got your name right at the start. Yes, almost called you Timothy. Yeah, they did. <laughs> right, okay, well, that's this episode then. Um, yeah, well, yeah. thanks for downloading us on iTunes, Stitcher, and ev- uh, everywhere else you download us. Thank you very yeah. much. Yes, next episode will be John 5. Hey, finally. Finally, we get to John 5. We get to cover John 5's first reign, his second reign, and his third reign. What? Yeah, you know when I said things get messy, we've not got to the messy bit yet. Oh. (laughs) Or at least when I first started looking into it, what I thought was the messy part. Actually, as it turns out, the period we've covered is actually the harder bit because we have so much source uh, of... So much sauce? Yes, that's how you say that sentence. But uh, say goodbye to our good sources, by the way, though. Because, oh, okay. uh, yeah, John Cantacuzinos and uh, Gregorius stopped writing. Um, so, Did they die? Yeah, well, they die partway through John 5's reign, so we'll get a bit of them <laughs> next episode. Mid-sentence. Uh, and then that's it. We have no more decent sources for the entire rest of the series, which is okay. not long, to be honest. So. No. There you go. Right, anyway, that's all for the future. So we've already said thank you, so I'm just going to jump in and say goodbye. That's all we need to say. Quick, Jamie, say something else because I went in the wrong order. Why don't you love me, Daddy? (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Dear Father, just wanted to say how wonderful it was at Constantinople the other day where you declared me, your loving son, Matthew, Emperor. Just checking, when is the coronation going to be? I assume it's going to be soon. No rush. Your loving son, Matthew. Dear Gregory. Delete, 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 delete. Dear... Francis. Delete, 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 delete. Dear Sebastian. Delete, 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 delete. Dear son. Rest assured, we have received your correspondence and thank you for contacting the palace. Unfortunately, at this time, we are unable to grant requests to meet the emperor. Please try again in three months. Yours sincerely, Laura Baldwin. Bracket, PA, and bracket. Dear Father, it was so lovely to receive a letter from you. I put it with the other one you sent to me on my fourth birthday. I'm assuming the fact that you contacted me back, preparation for the coronation is going swimmingly. Why don't we set a date? I will be in the capital next weekend. Looking forward to being crowned. Happy face emoji, happy face emoji. Your loving son, Matthew. Matthew. Matthew.
dear square bracket, insert name here, square bracket. Thank you for your correspondence. The Emperor will respond to you within the next six to eight weeks. From Laura Baldwin, bracket, PA, and bracket. Dear Father, Excellent! See you soon! Your loving son, Matthew. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. Matthew. P.S. Love and kisses to Laura. She sounds lovely. Dear Gregory slash Timothy slash Toby slash Hansel slash son. Thank you for your correspondence. Unfortunately, we are so busy right now with all the invading and things. Um, We've not managed to set a date just yet, but thank you so much for your letters. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Kind regards, the Emperor. Dear Father, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. A personal letter, exclamation mark. I am overcome. I will be in the capital tomorrow, waiting to be crowned. Your loving son, Matthew. Dear Offspring, yes, this is your father, my PA, in bracket, Laura Baldwin, in bracket, has said I should finally send you a message. The truth is, we haven't managed to organise your coronation, as no one can remember your bloody name. Please stop sending messages, because why the hell aren't you Manuel? Manuel is fantastic, he is glorious. He fights, he can organise, he can reign. You are nothing. You're sincerely a disappointed father. P.S. Very disappointed. Dear father, I unfortunately wasn't able to read your last letter because when it arrived, it was smudged. I have no idea what it said. I'm leaving for the capital. I will see you soon. Your loving son, not... Manuel.